We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Are you thinking about possibly moving up into a principal role or assistant principal role, but aren't quite sure if you're ready or not? Or even more importantly, are you considering moving up and have had somebody tell you they don't think you are ready? which is a whole nother story in of itself. Hey, everybody, Chris Jones with another episode of Seeing to Lead. And what if I told you there's actually a tool or a workshop that you can use to help you determine just how ready you are and where you need to get better to be able to move up into that assistant principal, principal department chair role? Well, there is. And that's what I talked to this week with Jethro Jones about on Seeing to Lead. Jethro has had many positions in education, but one thing's always held clear with him. He is looking to help people find a way to improve themselves as best they possibly can. And he explains a lot of that in this show because he's got a new program that talks about showing up, leading up, and leveling up. And how by using self-awareness, hope, and mindset, a person can do just that. They can level up to be a better version of who they are and take on those leadership roles. Look, I'm going to hook up a leadership inventory in the show notes that you can take, and then that will get you in contact with Jethro. And I promise you, you will not regret doing that because his workshop is a six-week one and a half hours per week virtual experience that's going to focus on accomplishing small tasks each day that make everything else for you either easy or unnecessary. And finally, while this workshop is the center of our discussion, another big part of it that you really want to hear is when he gets into Gottfriedson's four mindsets, specifically the mindset of prevention versus promotion. Well, I don't want to give too much away because Jethro is the expert in these areas. So let's listen to what he has to say on this episode of Seeing to Lead. When you take responsibility for how things go, regardless of whether or not it was your fault, it's empowering and makes you better at whatever you're doing. Because then you start seeing ways that you can make things better for others and for yourself. And so if you get stuck in a situation where somebody made a bad choice and put you in a bad situation and you still take responsibility, you can actually do something with that. And other people, you know, when you're blaming somebody else, you can't do anything. And it's a victim mentality and it doesn't help. (laughs) 
Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Jethro Jones is a national award-winning former school leader, podcaster, and author of the books, How to Be a Transformative Principal and School X. How Principals Can Design a Transformative School Experience for the People Right in Front of Them. He is also founder of the B Podcast Network, the best educational podcast network out there, which I am proud to say Seeing to Lead is actually part of that. Jethro currently consults school leaders on strategies to help them save time, lead more effectively, and overcome their own weaknesses. Jethro has worked as a principal at all K-12 levels, including a prison school, a district coach, distance learning team lead, and... English teacher. I'm pretty excited to have Jethro on today because I've worked with him quite a bit and continually work with him today. Like I had mentioned, the B Podcast Network, which I have to say, everybody should have a listen to. It's um, the brainchild of Jethro. And as you're about to find out, he's always got things going on to better support, engage, and empower educators. So welcome to the podcast, Jethro. Oh, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here chatting with you and always a pleasure to talk with you, Chris. Yeah, I have to concur with that. It's just such usually a, a natural laid back conversation that goes a lot of places education. So I'm I'm excited about this too. And I know that um, the people listening to this today are going to find a lot of value. So let's jump right in. When we were talking about getting together and and having this episode, you have a new project that you're doing. Like I mentioned in uh, in the biography that you're always doing something to improve the educational situation for others around you. So talk to me about this one. It's a move-up workshop. That's right. Uh, it's called the move-up move up workshop. And the idea um, is that people don't always know when they're ready to move up. And I had a situation where I was ready to move up. And my boss, my principal, when I was an assistant principal, said that I was not ready. And I need to go be an assistant principal in the middle school first and then maybe, just maybe, if I was lucky and worked real hard, then I could possibly get an elementary principal position. And I said, you know what? I actually know that I'm ready. And you not believing in me does not change who I am. So I stopped applying for elementary principal positions. And I applied only for middle school positions. And, with, and I got one. And then within three years, that was when I won my national award for being a digital principal of the year. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. There's some vindication like, yeah, I thought you said I wasn't ready, but look, I was. And, but then also, you know, it was, it was about me understanding what it meant to be ready to move up and knowing what I needed to do to be successful at doing that. And I wish that I had somebody there at the time to say, hey, you are ready and I believe in you. And uh, the only one that I had to do that was God, which I appreciate because he did let me know that I, that I could do this. And it, it wasn't out of my realm of possibility. 
And so I'm grateful for that. But it would have been nice to have an adult who was like, uh, or a peer who was like, hey, don't worry, you got this. And and I just didn't have that. And so, you know, on the one hand, that helped me grow spiritually. On the other hand, it would have been nice for somebody to say, here's how you know you're ready. And so that's why I created this several, several years later, because I didn't know how to articulate it for a long time. <laughs> you know, it's that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about this, because there is clearly a shortage in people stepping up into leadership roles in education. We talk about it all the time. We talk about the pipeline shortage and that, you know, superintendents talk about how they're running low on numbers for superintendents moving up. And if principals aren't moving up, well, there's, you're always going to run low on superintendents. And if teachers aren't stepping out of the classroom to move up, we've got that issue. But it's such, that's such an important question for people to reflect on because oftentimes what they see from the leader that they have is the result of that leader's interaction or interface, if you will, with the position. Yeah. And doesn't always hold true for what it would be like for them. Very true. So that's a very personal question for somebody to ask. So this tool that you're talking about, I think is is so good. So could you walk the listeners through, there's multiple stages to this, right? Yeah. So I want to start by by saying you can go assess yourself um, and see where you're at if you're ready. And, you know, if you're, this is mostly geared towards people who want to become principals, but the same principles apply if you're trying to move into a district office position or a superintendent position yourself, because you have to have some of these things in place. And so what, what I'm trying to create is an opportunity for everybody to figure out what they personally need and for it to be really individualized for them. I have some strategies and things that I'm going to talk about, but but everybody needs to figure out what it is for them. And so uh, when you go take this quiz at moveup.transformativeprinciple.com, which I think you're going to put the link in the show notes, um, you, can, you can go see where you stack up in the areas of showing up, leading up, and leveling up. And it, I'll, I'll describe these briefly because they're, they're valuable in understanding what they each mean. So showing up means showing up as yourself and allowing others to show up as themselves as well. Leading up means that you are able to lead up, lead down, and lead around. We always talk about and are pretty comfortable with leading down because we always think that leadership is a leading other people kind of a thing. But leadership is really good leadership is about knowing when to be a follower, knowing how to be a good follower and leading those above you and then leading your peers and not just going along for the ride. And so there's opportunities for people in each of those areas. And then the final one is leveling up. And that is how do you how do you level up yourself so that you are also, you know, showing up as your best, which is being self-aware and things like that. But then also it's not just about learning new skills and adding tools to your to your tool belt, but it's also about developing who you are, Ryan Gottfriedson calls it vertical development and compared to horizontal development. Horizontal development is learning how to add new things to what you're doing. Vertical development is about leveling up and making it so that it's possible for you to do new things that you couldn't do before. And, and so those three things are really what we're going to be talking about in the workshop. Um, and and I'd, I'd check out where you're at. Uh, do the assessment yourself, moveup.transformativeprinciple.com and see how, how it goes 
for you and where you're at. You may surprise yourself. You may think you're really good in one area and turn out to be not so good. You may think you're not so good in one area and turn out to have some skills and just a lack of belief in yourself. I've, I've seen that with people who've taken that quiz already too. You know, there's two things about that. The first one is, so the assessment is key because it, it gives you an idea, but the whole belief in yourself is so important among people that want to do anything as far as leveling up. In those three areas, are they meant to go in order? Are they, are they a jump around type of thing? What's that look like? Yeah, you know, I think that you can develop any one of those things in any order that you need to. But there are a couple of bridges between them that that connect. I already mentioned self-awareness. That's the bridge between leveling up and showing up. And so these things, you can think of them as a Venn diagram. And they're not like, you can't just level up without improving your leadership. And you can't just level up without improving how you show up. And you can't just show up without improving the other areas as well. And so it's less like a go in order and more of a just pick an area and start, you know, (laughs) that's that's what we really need to do. So the bridge between leading up and showing up is hope, which the research on hope is really fascinating because if you have high hope as an individual, then you can do a lot of amazing things. And hope is really about having goals, having a pathway to accomplish those goals, and then believing that you can actually do that. Like people can set goals all the time. And if they don't believe they can actually do it, then they're probably a low hope individual. And if they don't know how to get there, then it's going to be really tough to actually do it. But people who have high hope know what their goals are, know how to get there, and have belief that they will will actually make it, which before I understood that, I just thought that that was normal. But it's actually, it's actually verified by research and, and works. And when you know people who have those things, you see how they're able to accomplish things. Last thing is the, the bridge between leading up and leveling up is about mindset. And, and if you have a mindset that you can't say something to your boss because of what they might think or how they might react or whatever the case may be, that's going to prevent you from being able to lead up effectively and it's going to prevent you from being able to level up effectively. So those are the three bridges between those three things. And we go over all six of those things um, in the workshop that I do. Uh, after you take this quiz, then you can you can join the workshop as well. Nice. And again, I, I apologize for jumping in. I, I got super excited about the hope discussion because especially in today's context where there seems to be a higher level of low hope um, as far as, you know, setting goals and achieving goals. And it just makes me think every day on the ground, um, leaders that are already in positions to lead, how do we take somebody from low hope to high hope so that they, they're more likely to to set goals and become successful and realize their greatest level of success. Oh man, this is so exciting. This is what is so amazing about the hope research. And one person you should interview about this in depth is uh, Dr. Kathleen Beachboard. Uh, She was on the Resilient Schools podcast. That's also on the B Podcast Network. And uh, I can put you two in touch, but you should definitely uh, connect with her to get more information about it. Because I'm going to tell you the, the shortcut. How do you help someone have high hope you put them around other high hope individuals. So this is so simple, it's almost ridiculous. 
that's really all you do. You put them around other people with high hope. So somebody with low hope does not make somebody with high hope have low hope. Somebody with high hope does help someone with low hope start to have high hope because they start to see things that they did not know were possible. They didn't know that you could set goals. They didn't know that you could have a pathway to achieve those goals. They didn't know that you could believe that you could achieve those goals. And so uh, one of the things that Kathleen suggested on that podcast was that you should, if you if you know what your hope scores of your kids are, you should put them, seat them in your seating chart so that the low hope kids sit by the high hope kids and that they're interspersed in there so that all the low hope kids aren't congregated together because they'll just all share their hope together, which is low. But if you put all the high hope kids intermixed with the low hope kids, then the high hope kids, and this extends to teachers and to team members and, and everything, then those with low hope start to have high hope just by virtue of being around those with high hope. All right. So you just turned a whole bunch of conventional wisdom on its head. So thinking of it that way, it's much more difficult for one bad apple to spoil the bunch than we typically think it is, at least when it comes to hope. Am I hearing that right? That is absolutely correct. And the thing that's amazing about it is, is that if you have a group of people and one of them is low hope, they will adapt to become high hope for that time period. And the high hope people are not going to go down if they're surrounded by low hope people. They're going to stay high hope and they might take a little hit here and there, but they're not going to overall go down. They might get discouraged. They might be frustrated. Those things could happen but their level of hope is going to stay pretty consistent. And so it doesn't, it's kind of like when you level up in a video game, you get to a level, you don't go back down if you die. You may lose your stuff and you may have some struggles, but you don't go back down to a previous level. You stay at that level and then you just keep getting buffer until you can continue defeating that level. But you don't go down level because you didn't do well. I'm sure there are some games where you do, but that's not typically the case. Once you get a level, then you keep it. And and that's how it is with hope as well. And for all those people like me that um, are not as good at gaming as they like to think they are, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no kidding. I'm right there with you. <laughs> but um, so hope scores, you talked about hope scores, and I think that's something important. If we could find out the hope scores of our students, or if leaders could find out the hope scores of their teachers, how do you find out the hope score? Is there is there an inventory for that? Is there a survey? Yeah, there is. And in in the workshop, I go take people through one for their culture, for their school, of whether they have a high hope culture for their school. Um, and Kathleen does that in partnership with a, a great company that focuses on strengths called Thrively, uh, which which people should definitely look into also. And what's really cool is that you can get an idea of how hopeful your culture is. And you can you can start to do things to work on it and make it better. And they don't even have to be big things to to help. They they are things that help you see goals, see a pathway to achieve goals, and believe that you can achieve goals. And it, it doesn't take a lot to do that. It's actually quite simple, but it moves the needle so much. It's just it's incredible. That's awesome. You know, when you're talking about hope, I can't help but think about mindset. Uh, that you said is the bridge between leading up and leveling up. And is it possible for somebody to have high hope 
but not have that mindset of being able to do that or vice versa to have that mindset and not have high hope? Yeah, yeah. That, and if so, how do we help that? Yeah, that's very possible. And and really, the 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 big mindset researcher that I follow is Ryan Godfredson. And he talks about four sets of uh, mindsets. And there's there's lots of mindsets. But in education, we really focus on fix and growth mindsets because we think that like, oh, if you have a growth mindset, then everything will be fine. Well, there's a lot more to it than that. And we, it, as we tend to do in education, oversimplify things and um, and try to make them them too basic. Uh, but really, the four sets that that Ryan talks about are fixed and growth, prevention and promotion, open and closed, and inward and outward. And so, uh, I didn't say those in I didn't say them correctly. So let me try that again. <laughs> so the the four mindsets that he talks about are fixed and growth. I'm trying to say the the negative with the positive. Right. Uh, and I, I mixed them up. Okay, cause fixed versus growth and closed versus open, inward versus outward, prevention versus promotion. And the the one that people don't really get, they hear promotion, they think like you're 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 bragging about yourself or you're talking about yourself or you're cocky or arrogant or whatever. And that's not really what it's about. What it's about is how willing are you to take risks to still meet your goals? And so an example that that he likes to give and that I love also is that if you're a ship captain and you're a prevention-minded ship captain, you're going to see, um, you're going to do everything that you can to prevent bad things from happening, which eventually is going to lead to you not even taking the trip because it's too dangerous. If you are a promotion-oriented ship captain, you are going to do the things that need to happen to get you to meet your goal, but you're going to be willing to take risks. You're not going to take unnecessary risks, but you're going to do things that get you to where you want to be. And so if you want to get across the Atlantic Ocean, you're going to do your best to go when the when the seas are calm and when it's, you know, a, a, got a good tailwind and all that, but you're not going to avoid doing it because there might be a storm. You're going to see how much you can gather about the storm and train your men, your shipmates to know how to manage the ship so that you can get across safely. But you're not going to avoid it because you're you're afraid of something bad happening. And the reason why I bring that one up is because in education, we have this tendency to be afraid of bad things happening. And we do a lot of things for example, this is a little controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway. When we say that safety is our number one priority in schools, we're doing it all wrong. That's a very prevention mindset way to approach it. Safety is the baseline. We start with safety, but we also take academic and educational risks all the time. That is actually how we learn. We don't learn by just hearing information. We learn by attempting answers, attempting new things, and seeing whether or not they work. A promotion-minded school would have as its number one priority learning. And it would have as the expectation and the baseline that we're going to be safe enough. Now, that that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do things to keep our kids safe. Of course we we should. Don't get me wrong here. But we do need to have this idea of what is our real goal. If our real goal is to keep kids safe, then we should adopt a lot of the practices that we have adopted over the past 
decades and keep doing those. But if our goal is to actually have kids learn, then we're going to need to take risks. We're going to need to put them in mentally or academically unsafe situations so that they can grow. But we're going to make them as safe as possible so that they're successful. Yeah, that makes so much sense because often when we say safety, I mean, it's a perception thing. Often when we say safety, we think about locked doors or, you know, unwelcome guests. Let's put it that way. In the school, we don't think about the academic risk part. We don't think about the social risk part. We don't think about the mental risk part. We just think about how discomfort is bad. And so everything we can do to get them out of discomfort equates to safe. Yeah. And and that's because we are so prevention-minded that we aren't even thinking about academic or intellectual risk-taking because we're so afraid of any kind of harm coming to our kids that we're focused on the wrong things. And so, yeah, we do things like lock our doors and prevent, make it so that parents feel like they're not welcome in our schools because we're trying to make sure that everybody's safe. Meanwhile, that doesn't prevent bad things from happening. And all it does is prevent people who would like to be engaged in our school from being more engaged. Let's take an example here. At my kid's elementary school, it is, when I go there, they have a door and then they have a a little foyer room and then there's a button to push to get in. Instead of them saying, this guy looks like a parent, let's buzz him in. They say through the intercom, what do you want? Not, how can we help you? What brings you here today? They say, what do you want? And it's like, well, I want to pick up my daughter, but like, you're not making it very easy. That's all I want to do. And I want to make this as quick and painless as possible because you're making me feel like I don't want to be here because it's not welcoming and it's not inviting and I don't feel comfortable. So in our efforts to be quote unquote safe, we're alienating the very people who could work better to help us be safe and to have relationships so that we know when this person's walking up to the building, we know who they are and we're going to welcome them with open arms and say, we're glad you're here, Mr. Jones. Thanks for coming to our school. What can we do for you today? Like, that's a totally different approach than how I'm greeted every time I go to the door at my daughter's elementary school. And the thing is, is these these people are nice, good, wonderful people who are like dedicating their lives to helping my kid. But the approach, the way that I feel, it's, it's not working. They're missing the mark. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader.
seeingtolead.com. Sounds like, you know, as you were talking, like I, I'm drawing this Venn diagram, like you had mentioned, and putting the arrows back and forth, and I'll have to share it with you later. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see how well I did explaining it, right? <laughs> but um, you talk about all the bridges and I look at it and when I, when I look at it, I'm like, yeah, graphic, I get it. And then when, I, when we talk about it more, it comes out just how in-depth this something like this is. And so your course or your workshop being this in-depth, what are we looking at for timeline when it starts... Um, what does somebody expect when they sign up after taking this assessment? Yeah, well, here's here's the thing that's that's so cool is that really it boils down to you deciding to do one thing every day that's going to make all the other things easier or necessary, and and that's what we're trying to get to. So this is going to be a six week hour to an hour and a half each week virtual experience, and and you're going to learn all this stuff. And, but what you're really going to come down to is one little thing. And it needs to be small because you need to be able to do it every day and needs to be repeatable. And the reason why I focus on that is the power of being able to do something small and have it compound over time. And, and people can't see this, but in the background, you have a picture of your son, uh, building a, a knife, a blacksmith, as a blacksmith. And you've told me about that before. And I just think that it's so amazing because you need a lot of heat. You need a lot of power to make that happen. And, and that is what we feel like we have to do to make change in schools, that we need to turn up the heat. We need to have a lot of pressure. We need to have a lot of uh, banging our heads against the wall, as it were, and we got to do a lot of forceful things to make change happen. And the reality is, is that we really don't. We need to figure out what really matters and what the thing is that we can do on a regular basis to make all the other things easier and necessary. And so let me give an example of what this really is. I knew as a principal that if I wanted to have a great school culture and do all these amazing things, I needed to be in classrooms every single day. And for me, that solved problems, made things easier, made conversations easier, improved relationships, improved communication. But I had to go through a process to figure out that that was the thing that I needed to do was to be in classrooms every single day. And when I understood that, then it changed how I approached that task. And I started scheduling that in advance, prioritizing it and making that a part of my day. Once I figured that out, then I was able to make changes in my school very quickly. So the last school that I, well, second to last school that I was principal at, um, I went there and within just nine months, I had made all the changes that I felt I needed to make. And, and, they, and these were cultural shifts that took us from being a traditional regular middle school to being an innovative, forward-thinking middle school. And what did I do to get us there? I went into classrooms every day. And when I went into classrooms, then people saw me there. They heard what I was saying. I gave them feedback. I talked to them about what they were doing. And my one thing was not to give feedback. My one thing was to be there. And, and there's a difference between those two things. But 
it matters so much because you've got to narrow down what it is that you need to do to achieve your vision. And within nine months, we were able to make a total change in that school and do things that I did not even think were possible. I look back now and I think, did it really only take us that long to get there? And I am baffled that we did it that fast because the prevailing bad advice that principals get is don't change anything your first year. That is horrible advice. That is educational malpractice. If you see something as bad happening in your school and you're a new principal of that school and you don't change it, that's on you. Those kids never get that year back. If you see something that's not working, it is your imperative and your duty as the leader of that school to make a change. And people don't like it when I say that, but that's horrible advice that I hope no principal ever follows ever again. Make your school better from the day you get there. How about change your perspective and use the idea that you are new to change things? Yeah. Because you do things different. So instead of being shy about it yeah, and saying, well, I don't want to rock the cart, I'm new here and I'm new here for a reason. As long as you find out the context of what's happening, most definitely move to change. You and I are in the same school of thought as far as that goes. Yeah. So, you know, you, and you mentioned, you, you, you took some air out of my balloon about the blacksmithing because I was going to have my son come and do some blacksmithing for our teachers on opening day. Uh-huh. And talk to them about how students are like this piece of metal that you can help mold and help them transform into something different. But whatever, fine. You, you kind of took the air out of that. No, no, <laughs> but, um, you know, so, so I, I joined this course, right? And, uh, I learned how to do that one thing. I love the idea of the big domino. You know, if you do that one thing, um, tip over that big domino, what's going to make everything else easy after that or even unnecessary. But what, what do I get out of the course? So I'm somebody that's thinking, I take this assessment. Well, maybe I'm ready to leave. Maybe I'm not. I'm kind of playing around with it. Um, what do I get or what should I expect to get by joining this and doing this for six weeks? So this is kind of a big promise, but I, I stand by it because anybody who's ever looked for their next job has gone through a torturous, difficult experience. It is no fun applying for jobs, putting all this work into a resume and applications and interviews just to hopefully be chosen. So I'm I'm not saying that you are guaranteed to get your next job or anything like that. But what I am saying is that by doing this, you will have clarity on what your vision and your purpose is. And you will know where the next, when the next place that comes is the right fit for you. Because you'll know so clearly what it is you want to be doing that you're not going, like, I want to make it so that you never have to apply for a job again, but that you are invited to take another job. And that to me is is like 90% about mindset and maybe 10% about all the other things that you do. And so mindset's going to play a really big role in this, but you you need to get to a place where you are being invited to apply, where you are being invited to join the team. And there's a very different feeling around everything when that happens. When you are desperate and searching for a gig and you're trying to achieve, it's difficult. I've been there. And when that principal told me that, that's, that's the mode I went into. I was like, I've got to get this just to prove her wrong. 
that's not healthy. That's not good for anybody. And I'm fortunate that I was able to land in a place that was a good fit for me. But, but after that, I, after that job, I was like, okay, where do I want to go next? What do I want to do next? And I was able to go with so much confidence, but not cockiness, self-assuredness, but not arrogance that I knew exactly where I wanted to be. So then when I went to that next school, it only took us nine months because I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew what I went there for. I knew that the superintendent had the same vision. That's why she brought me there. And then I was able to say, this is what we're doing. This is the direction that we're going. And I was able to reiterate that over and over and over again with confidence that I knew that was the right thing to do and that I could lead people there. And so I'm not saying that you're going to get the, the next job you apply for. What I am saying is that you're going to know what your purpose is. You're going to know where you're going. And you're going to be doing the things that will make people say, we should have that person over here and do this over here. So that you're starting to be invited instead of... like a, a lot of things, workshops about job hunting are about like updating your resume. I'm trying to make it so you don't need a resume and that you don't even have to worry about that, that it's a formality. Because honestly, that's all it is anyway. That's such a powerful statement for two reasons. First, the idea of not needing to apply but being invited does change the paradigm. I I know that from personal experience. And it helps you realize or be in a place that you want to be and that can support your continued growth and where you can do work that you're passionate about. And two, because um, I know who you are as a person. And when you say something like that, I know you stand behind what you say. And when you say that you're doing something or something's effective, call me in. I'm interested because, you know, those results are, well, you can take them to the bank because that's the kind of person you are. I like to surround myself with people that get things done. And when they say something's going to happen, that, that it happens. So I would, I would encourage anybody to take a look at this. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, definitely worthwhile. And one of the things that I do is I do a, one-to-one individual text follow-up with everybody that goes through it. Uh, if you give me your phone number, if you don't give me your phone number, you don't get it. But, you know, I, I did this workshop at the beginning of May and then I, or March, excuse me. And then I, I said, I'll follow up with you in two weeks and then again in a month. And friendships have been developed. And I've seen people grow and do some amazing things because they've focused on this one thing. And, you know, it, that feels really good to me. I like that. And it's what, it's what I want to be spending my time doing. Awesome. Well, we're getting near the end of the podcast. And I have to ask you those two questions that I ask everybody that appears. The first one, now you were in education a long time, but now you're out doing consulting and, and, and coming up with different ways to help educators. But if you weren't in education, who, not what would you be? You know, I think... I, I would be a helper. That's that's how I see myself now. That I I want to be able to focus on individuals and help those individuals become better and get better. I think that I've been blessed with skills to help see into individuals in a way that that is powerful, that is helpful, and and I'm grateful for that. And that's what I want to spend my time doing is helping them live up to their potential. And you know that's. That's who I'm striving to be now. And I think education was a great way for me to start seeing how that could happen. 
But really, that's what uh, I believe my life mission is. So what would be the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they serve? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest piece of advice is one that I got myself, which is never blame anything on anybody else. Take responsibility for everything. And it was given to me by a consultant who was helping us as we were a Title I school. And he said, whatever comes up, Jethro, don't ever blame it on the district. And I've expanded that to be, don't blame it on anybody else. You take responsibility for for every decision that you make. And when you take responsibility for how things go, regardless of whether or not it was your fault, it's empowering and makes you better at whatever you're doing. Because then you start seeing ways that you can make things better for others and for yourself. And so if you get stuck in a situation where somebody made a bad choice and put you in a bad situation, and you still take responsibility, you can actually do something with that. And other people, you know, when you're blaming somebody else, you can't do anything. And it's a victim mentality. and It doesn't help. That's fantastic advice. And um, I can't thank you enough for coming on today, Jethro. You've, thank you. You've, uh, you've said a ton. And on top of it, you've offered this fantastic resource. It's virtual and that is going to allow people to do it, which obviously I'm going to hook that up in the show notes along with uh, some other links. But if somebody wanted to reach right out to you, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, at Jethro Jones any, on any social medias. And then my phone number is 8017 Jethro. So feel free to shoot me a text or a call. I'll be happy to answer. 8017 Jethro. All right. Now, wait a minute. I have to ask how you got a number. <laughs> How'd you get a number after your name? Uh, it, when Google Voice first came out, I jumped on the bandwagon and and got a Google Voice number that is 8017 Jethro. So oh, um, I know it's it's glorious. I love it. That's fantastic. All right. Well, hey, look, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with uh, me today. I really appreciate it. And I know that I know that the listeners are really going to appreciate it. And I'm, I'm sure there are some out there that are going to be interested in checking this great opportunity out. Yeah. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's great chatting with you. And I appreciate all you do to help people learn and grow. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? 
you need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.